John was a pastor who was given a hot air balloon ride gift certificate from his wife. And by his own accounts, John's not really a thrill-seeking, bungee cord jumping kind of guy. So he was a little bit nervous. But you know they go slow, right? They flow. What could happen? Five of them were going up that day, John and his wife, another couple, and the driver, (laughs) if that's what you call them. He stepped in and they, they cast off the ropes. And as they headed up in the air, the first thing he noticed was the gondola, specifically how small it was. When you're looking way up there from way down here, the sides of the gondola look like they're about chest high. They're more like thigh high or ankle high because the higher they went, the lower the sides seemed. And, and the tighter John held on to the ropes, he was afraid. So was his wife. <laughs> he realized how fearful his wife was when his hands started going numb because of her grip on his arm. Being high up and fearful and losing all feeling in his arm, John slowly realized how important one person was to him, not his wife, the driver. And perhaps a little bit late, the qualifications and ability of this man began to weigh heavily upon John. So so he decided to do a little bit of investigating, hoping to find out that their guide was perhaps a an ex-astronaut who had designed hot air balloons, taught hot air balloon classes, and if necessary, could flap his arms and fly. John said, so I suppose you've been flying hot air balloons all your life. (laughs) The man turned to him, pulled the hair out of his eyes and said, who, me? No way, dude. I'm a surfer. A few months ago, my brother and I were in a truck accident. I was a little wasted. He got a little paralyzed, so I had to get a job to pay for the doctor bills. One day I saw blue and I said, dude, I could do that. And here I am. But this is my first time in this type of balloon. So coming down might be a little bit rocky. (laughs) Now, both couples had listened to this revelation. And the other wife, who up to this point had not said one word, looked at Pastor John and said, you're religious, do something. A thousand feet up in the air with a full-time surfer turned part-time balloon or sometime drinker, she had her, her first time spiritual experience. Do you ever come to one of those points in your life where the most spiritual thing you could do is cry out to the heavens, your God, do something. Sometimes fear can bring a prayer to the lips of the most devout of atheists. So welcome to episode number 81 of the podcast, More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I'm a pastor who has never been on a balloon ride. I actually got a gift certificate to a balloon ride once, but I we didn't use it. <laughs> I've never been on a balloon ride, and I'm also not God. But God has made such a difference in my life that I I love his word. And that's a simple red hot why of this podcast. I love his word. In in this episode, we're going to look at two Your God Do Something stories. The first one is a storm story that asks the question, why are you afraid? So listen in as I read Mark 4, 35 through Mark chapter 5, verse 20. We're going to split chapters and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up and high waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Now Jesus was sleeping. <laughs> Let me say that again. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit. Now, let me just stop for a moment and say, I, I believe in the reality of, of good and evil, a personal evil. So I believe in the reality of spiritual battle and, and demons and all of that. And, and uh, throughout the world, <laughs> there are still people who, who experience this on, on a regular basis. And, and that's what we're talking about here. A man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet Jesus. Verse 3, this man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus demanded, What is your name? Now, you got to understand, Jesus is not talking to the guy right now. He's talking to the demonic force inside of him. He replied, verse 9, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. And then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. I grew up, my words, I grew up on a farm and we raised hogs, 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of money. That's a fortune. That's, that's a business being drowned in the water. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, <coughs> spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. In other words, just a, a moment of commentary. In other words, this group of people, not all that unlike us, felt that 2,000 pigs was more important than the deliverance of this man. <laughs> Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Now let's start with a storm story. Have you ever been in a storm? Not a little one that was fun to watch from the front porch, but one that shook your world, rocked your life, reaffirmed beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are not God and you are not in control. That kind of storm. Sometimes those storms are on the outside and sometimes those storms are on the inside. Have you ever been in a storm? Maybe a storm of failure or a storm of rejection. Some of the longest lasting storms we face started on a playground somewhere. Kids can be cruel. How about a storm of loss? 
This storm story in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, comes at the end of a hard, long day for Jesus. He's been teaching and, and serving, ministering, pouring his heart out into crowds of people all day long. And in verse 35, it says that as evening came, Jesus said, let's get out of here. Let's go to the other side. And he got on board. He took the place of a guest at the stern of the boat and went to sleep. But but then this storm came and high waves are breaking into the boat. It begins to fill with water. It's a fierce storm where seasoned fishermen start to panic. And, and, and Jesus was sleeping. He was sleeping. <laughs> In the front of the boat, Jesus was sleeping. His disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown I don't know, maybe you're going through a storm right now that's causing you to wonder if God even cares. It's like God is asleep. (laughs) You're in desperate need of a word of encouragement, a word of hope that the storm is going to end and that when it ends, there'll still be a boat and you'll be in it. And in the midst of your storm, it seems like Jesus is sleeping on the job. But listen to me, if in the midst of your storm, it seems like Jesus is sleeping on the job, it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he's not worried. He's not afraid of anything. Jesus is not afraid of anything that's going on in your life right now. He can handle anything that you've stepped into. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there's this great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You've seen what I can do. Do you have no faith? And the disciples are absolutely terrified. They're afraid of of this man who who, who, who commands the wind and the waves. Guess what the most common command in the Bible is? The most common command in the Bible is not don't lie or don't steal, covet or kill. The Throughout the recorded history of God's interaction with humanity, is his most frequent challenge has not been love one another. That might be the most important. But the most common command in the Bible <laughs> is fear not. Don't be afraid, you guys. Don't be so frightened. Be courageous. Fear not. Fear is like spiritual cholesterol. It collects in our hearts and it leads to the premature death of our dreams. And it's one of the reasons why we live lives that are less than we hoped. Why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith? And you, you realize, don't you, that faith in God's story is simply a, a relationship of loving trust. It's not a blind faith. It, it, it's, it's a relationship. When, when Jesus was asking them, why are, why are you afraid? And part of you was saying, don't you trust my love? In fact, you know what the most common promise is in the Bible? The most common promise is, I'm with you. I will be with you. I'll never leave you. I'm with you. It's the most common promise that gives us the strength and the courage to fulfill the most common command. Faith doesn't beat fear. Love does. In fact, Jesus, uh, uh, John at one point says, love casts out all fear. Now, in the very next story, in Mark chapter 5, fear rises again. It's a fear of the unknown, a fear of spiritual darkness, of demons. But really, in the end, it's a fear of power. In both cases, it's a fear of power. It's an interesting, perhaps unexpected twist in these two stories. You see, I think people, including the disciples, the follower of Jesus, they were afraid of his power. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In the midst of our storms, in the midst of dark battles, we're looking for God to do something. We want to borrow a bit of his power. When we talk about living our lives in such a way that that we make a difference, we leave a mark, we're hoping that God will share with us a bit of his 
is Mark making power. When we pray, we're seeking God's power. But listen to me, when we come face to face with the power of God, the power of God is a fearsome, awesome, awful power. These men might have been afraid of the storm, but they were terrified of Jesus' power there and fearful wonder of this man who could stand in the midst of the storm and wrestle the wind. You see, Jesus Jesus did not walk around Galilee as a poor, timid, weak man who could be pushed around by most anyone. We cannot picture him as weak and frail. He was fully human, but he was fully God. He was untamed, undomesticated God. Sometimes it seems like we reduce the Spirit of God to the warm fuzzies we get on Sunday morning. We reduce the power of God to an electric current that can be managed with plugs and cords and transformers. It's no wonder people sleep in on Sunday mornings. The sacred has lost its mystery. The holy has become humdrum, but, and God has become manageable. But he's not. He's not. He, he's a God more powerful and, and more dangerous than any storm. His power is greater and even more fearsome than any demonic power. Jesus is undomesticated and untamable. Let me be clear. Sometimes we are so quick to blame the absence of God and so slow to believe in the presence of evil. We cannot be biblical Christians without believing in the presence of a real personal evil. And Jesus strides into a cemetery where a man's heart and mind is the scene of a great spiritual battle. Like, like many men and women's hearts and minds, like many kids' hearts and minds today, I believe with all my heart are the scene of a great spiritual battle, battle of light against darkness and hope against despair. And Jesus wins. <laughs> He has great power over dark evil. And so Jesus wins the battle for this man's soul. And the crowd comes out of town. They see the guy sitting there whole and holy. And they hear how the pigs became possessed and drowned in the sea. And, and they're afraid. Like the disciples were afraid. They're afraid. And, and it says in verse 17, the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed he wasn't afraid of Jesus. He begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you, how merciful he has been. And so the man started off to visit the Decapolis, the 10 towns of that region, and, and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. I love this. I love this story. I'm in awe of the power of God. Do you realize what, what has just happened? This is Jesus' first missionary. This is the very first time Jesus commissions and sends out a missionary. Up to this point in his life, every time Jesus performs a miraculous event, he instructs the person, go and tell no one, say nothing. To this man, he says, go and tell everything, ever. go and tell everybody everything, go be my missionary. And the men, man went and, and told his family, and, and he didn't stop there. He went to all the cities of that region, and everyone was amazed at his witness. You see, the great power of Jesus, listen to me. Don't miss this. The great power of Jesus is power for our mission. With all my heart, I believe that Jesus has a mission for each of us. Regardless of what you do, who you are, how long you've been a Christian, Jesus is calling us to be on mission. We call the very core, common, base part of our mission here at our church, we call our front yard mission. It's, it's loving our neighbors all the way to Jesus. Jesus is calling us to be on mission, and he's offering us his power, his awesome, fearful power so that we can be his witnesses. We're, we're all called to be missionaries. 
Uh, maybe some of you are thinking, I don't know if I have what it takes to be a missionary. <laughs> but look at who Jesus chose for his first missionary. Not an apostle who had spent so much time with Jesus, not a great scholar who had gone to school to be a missionary, not a community leader, not a rich man or woman with great resources, not a real religious person with a long history of integrity. This guy never went to seminary. He went to cemetery. <laughs> He's intimately acquainted with demons. He's the lunatic from the graveyard that every mother in town tells her kids to stay away from. The scariest, most dangerous guy people knew. That was who Jesus chose. And if he could use him, I think he can use you and me. He can. He, he can use you to love your neighbor. He can use you to be living proof of a loving God. He can use you to bring healing to a broken world. He can use you to be Jesus to people around you, no matter who those people are, because there's no one he doesn't love. He, love your, he loves your neighbors so much that even in their darkest moment of pushing them away, he'll send you to them. <laughs> you might say, well, where do you get that from this story, Dan? Well, once upon a time in Jesus' life, there was a town that loved pigs more than people. There was this town that saw Jesus heal a man but became afraid. There was this town that was content to have a legion of demons in their midst but was quick to ask Jesus to leave so they didn't lose more pigs. And where do you suppose Jesus sent his very first missionary? <laughs> there is nobody that Jesus will ever stop loving. Listen in again on that last part of the scripture, the the, the demon-possessed man, and, and let me pray for you. So they arrived at, the, uh, let me read it, excuse me, from the message. They arrived on the other side of the sea in the county country of the Gerasenes. And as Jesus got out of the boat, a madman from the cemetery came up to him. He lived there among the tombs and the graves. No one could restrain him. He couldn't be chained. He couldn't be tied down. He'd been tied up many times with chains and ropes, but he broke the chains and snapped the ropes. No one was strong enough to tame him. Night and day, he roamed through the graves and the hills, screaming out and slashing himself with sharp stones. When he saw Jesus a long way off, he ran and bowed and worshiped before him and then howled in protest. What business do you have, Jesus, son of the high God, messing with me? I swear to God, don't give me a hard time. Jesus had just commanded the tormenting evil spirit out, get out of the man. Jesus asked him, tell me your name. He replied, my name is Mo Mob. I'm a, I'm a rioting mob. Then he desperately begged Jesus not to banish them from the country. A large herd of pigs was grazing and rooting on a nearby hill. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so we can live in them. Jesus gave the order, but it was even worse for the pigs than for the man crazed. They stampeded over a cliff into the sea and drowned. Those tending the pigs scared to death bolted and told their story in town and country. Everyone wanted to see what had happened. So they came up to Jesus and saw the madman sitting there wearing decent clothes and making sense. No longer a walking madhouse of a man. Those who had seen it told the others what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And at first they were in awe. And then they were upset. Upset over the drowned pigs. They demanded that Jesus leave and not come back. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the demon-delivered man begged to go along, but he wouldn't let him. Jesus said, go home to your own people. Tell them your story, what the master did, how he had mercy on you. 
Then the man went back and began to preach in the Ten Towns area about what Jesus had done for him, and he was the talk of the town. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for your power. Thank you for sharing your power with us, for giving us the power to be your witnesses, to be missionaries, to love our neighbors in the midst of the mess. And I pray that you would you would show us that, that with your spirit inside of us, with your word in our ears and in our hearts, that that we have more power than we need to be missionaries. That, and, and would you send us to, to even our enemies? Would you send us to the people who pushed us away? Would, would you give us opportunities? God, would you commission us as your missionaries? God, I, I pray for every front yard missionary listening to this. Would you encourage them? Would you show them in some way, shape, or form that they have the power that they need to love people all the way to Jesus? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.